It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is April 18th, and this is the Bruins Beat, presented by FanDuel on CLNS Media. Welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week, and you're excited because it's playoff hockey time. It's an incredible time of the year. And you and I, we've been together through a lot of these uh, playoff runs, and it's always interesting. It's always exciting, the highs and the lows. Um, so on this episode, Connor Ryan and I get into some big questions surrounding Bruins Panthers. Uh, we give our reaction to game one, who looked good, who did not. Uh, we get into the Patrice Bergeron stuff, which is getting more and more interesting. Uh, we also get into, you know, could anyone from uh, that was sitting in game one, could they come into the lineup for game two? Uh, and then we get into the big question of, do the Panthers have a chance? Uh, and I feel like a lot of people have a lot of different opinions um, on that. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It is our first playoff episode, uh, truly in the playoffs. And what a first night. What a first night of playoff hockey. You have obviously the Bruins beat the Panthers 3-1, but some of the games around the league. Um, I was watching some of that Stars Wild game. I had to go to bed. So I was like, I can't watch the second overtime. I'm going to be up till, you know, two. Um, that can't happen. And so it was, but it was a crazy game and that Kings Oilers game was wild. So, um, great, great to have playoff hockey back. Whenever playoff hockey happens, I'm always like, how did we do 82 games of just like regular season hockey? How did we, how do we manage through all of that? Um, yeah, but fun times. How was the garden last night? It looked incredible. It was, it was, uh, a vintage, I think, playoff game, I think, for, for Bruins and especially their fans. I mean, I, as soon as you found out that game one was going to be a marathon Monday, I think you knew that the crowd was going to be a little little riled up. I think a little been, riled. Uh, they've, yeah. been prepping, they've been prepping a little bit for a playoff game, hit the hit the establishments a little early, had some time off, got got a little rowdy. So um, crowd was great. Uh, and again, it's, you know, we've been fortunate enough to cover this team for a couple of years and cover a couple of playoff runs. But every year when, you, you know, the gardens are rocking. The towels are going. You got audio slave playing for the playoffs. I think it always kind of hits. Uh, always hits different, right? So, and I think when you look at just how much uh, enthusiasm is built around this season, especially, it, it made for a uh, 
a special night. Doesn't change regardless of how many times I think you've covered the playoffs. The Stanley Cup playoffs are always a, a joy and a privilege to cover. That's for it's, sure. It's a different animal. It is a yeah. different animal. Um, and you know, it's funny. I was a little disappointed because the shirtless dudes who were in center field at the Red Sox game, I did not see them at the Garden. I didn't see them anywhere. Um, I don't think they were there. They should have been there. They should have been um, on the ice for the anthem. I mean, they're, they're you know, should have been there, and they weren't. Let me, let me tell you, Evan, uh, considering uh, the state those those gentlemen were in, I feel like they couldn't even make it to Kenmore Station as opposed to TV Garden. Like, True. In, in one group. <laughs> be like, make way for ducklings. Like, those guys, if they formed, like, a group and walked there, there would be, like, two that actually would make it to the Garden. It would just be, be stragglers getting picked off one by one as they go down to uh, over to the Garden. Yeah, no, there was no way that that they were making it. Um, and I already know there's people watching this being like, get to the game, talk about the Bruins. And it's like, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, game one. I found this to be a microcosm of the Bruins season in that they did not play their best. There were times they were outplayed. There were times uh, the opposition uh, was better. The Panthers, I actually thought, played a pretty good game through two periods. I mean, I think they played the Bruins well. Um, and the Bruins still win. And I think that's been the thing the whole year. Uh, you have Olmark and Nett who's strong. You have, um, you know, again, just valuing quality chances over, uh, quantity and you score some goals off of it and suddenly you win the game. And I, I saw some people on Twitter who, you know, were more national or, you know, who maybe didn't watch much of the Bruins being like, oh, they don't look as great as we thought they were. That's been them this whole year, right? Yeah. It's something where I think. If you had to sum up like one word it is to, to how an opponent views the Bruins in terms of how tough it is to play them, I think demoralizing is the most is the the apt term there, right? It's something that I think even Montgomery mentioned early on this year in terms of how tough it is when you're matching up against this, you know, top rated defense and you got McAvoy out there and he goes back, you know, into his shift and Lindholm's out there. Now Orlov's out there, how demoralizing that is. And I think it's a microcosm of just how tough they had to play against that. As you said, I don't think that was their best game. That was a, a B game, a, maybe a C game for extended stretches. Montgomery called it a C-plus game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I think you look at that, um, and it just shows that how tough they are, that even when like maybe they're not playing to their best, you don't see all segments of their game dip at the same time, right? Like they're, they were not really clean with the puck early on, but it didn't lead to goals on the other end of the ice by by Olmark, right? You had, like It's not like the team kind of – everything kind of goes out of sorts at once. Um, and as you said, Florida played a pretty good game. Like even if they didn't get as much rush chances, I, I think as much as you look at how good they are in transition, they're also a very good forechecking team, and they were causing a lot of turnovers, a lot of good looks uh, around Omark, and he stood tall in that regard. But that, I think that's just how you view the Bruins as to why they're so tough. It's just like you don't get them. You can't deliver the knockout blow. You can put them on the ropes for a little bit, but they always seem to find a way to kind of get through. And I think it's testament to the depth. I mean, you look at, about having Patrice Bergeron out there. That's uh, if the Panthers were looking for a game to steal, that was it. So if you're the Panthers, who again you just snuck into the the, the playoffs, but you're still a team a year removed from the President's Trophy, uh, a lot of firepower, a team that honestly, if you put them up against, I think another run and gun team like the Devils, I wouldn't put it past them like beating a team like that. How are you like the Panthers where you are you know in a rival building, you play a really good game, they don't have Bergeron. You still lose by two goals, right? It's it's just demoralizing. Terrible. And I also think Lion, I think they got to go to Bobrovsky. Uh, yeah. You know, again, Lion made some really strong saves, um, some big ones and some acrobatic ones. But 
to let some of those in. I mean, even the the Hathaway one that was called off with the you know, hit his glove and put it in his own net. Like it just you need to go to Bobrovsky if you want to have a chance in this series, I think. Uh, and I don't think they have much of a chance. We'll get to that in a bit. And we'll also get to Bergeron in a bit. Um, I was shocked on the postgame show last night, Connor. I looked at natural statric and the high danger chances were 15 to nine in favor of the Panthers. And, you know, I knew they had a lot of good chances, but to out chance the Bruins that heavily. And then I realized that was mainly in large part due to Linus Olmark, who makes everything look easy, who had another outstanding game last night. Um, you would, I mean, there weren't any like wild saves. I thought there were some really strong ones and good ones, but there were none that, you know, and he's just never really out of position. And yeah, I think any fear, at least off of one game, one fear that we both had kind of coming into this was, is the goaltending going to hold up? You know, can Linus Olmark bring it in the playoffs as well? And is he still, is he hurt at all? And I think after game one, I think we can confidently say he's good in the playoffs and he's probably not hurt at least right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's how the season's gone all year for him. And that I think we always have the, we envision the worst case scenario, right? With Olmark, whether it's the workload, whether it's the playoffs, how he adjusts to these things. And every single time he's kind of shattered through whatever those expectations are in terms of where, how locked in he's been this year. And again, as you said, there wasn't a, a highlight real stop, you know, per se, but uh, again, Florida is so good uh, with that offense in terms of kind of just creating chaos, creating second chance opportunities. You got a guy like Chuck who can do a lot of damage with limited time and space as you saw in that one goal, which is just more or less a bad break for the Bruins, a bad bit of puck luck. But um, throughout that stretch though, uh, Omar really stood tall there and really kind of built the team out. And I, I think, again, it just shows you that, when various parts of the lineup can kind of take a dip, you have one one group that kind of holds their own. So you look at that game, like the third period, I think that was probably the Bruins' best period. Didn't score any goals, but they really locked down. Florida didn't generate a whole lot of uh, the Panthers in that in that final 20 minutes. But uh, as a Bruins trying to find their game, you had Omar kind of standing tall there. So, I mean, that, that was huge for him and a uh, good confidence booster for a guy that had, you know, probably a less than memorable run last year. Carolina was in a bit of limbo. Having a game like that, uh, standing tall against a very high-octane offense, has to be good for him in terms of getting on a bit of a roll here in the playoffs. Yeah, and again, just kind of doing it early, getting out of the way. Hey, I can play in the playoffs, you know, no issue there. Speaking of someone who got uh, who came out firing in game one, Tyler Bertuzzi. Oh, man, great pass on the um, the Pasternak power play goal, but also uh, took Nick Cousins' stick, said, I'm, I'm taking that breaks it or like at least like just tries to slam it into the into the force didn't he say after the game like oh like some stupid things happen or whatever like no i mean embrace it man like that's hilarious um uh, i think bertuzzi's in the school of uh rich peverly where it's like i will give very standard he's like a he's like a skyrim character he's like i will give very very standard responses so yeah I, I think he likes to play cool when he's not going to be cutting a wwe promo like marsh or something <laughs> he's high-fiving the reporters like yeah what'd you guys think of that you know yeah um, yes no that's sort of a uh what's it what's the, an npc uh non-playable yes. character uh type uh answers from him um but fits i mean again we've said this um you know ever since he got here we're probably gonna say it in the off season that guy's a bruin like that guy's a bruin the way he plays um so impactful to this lineup um, and I know that when Bergeron does come back, you know, does do you what do you think? Should he go back to should he go to the third line or like him and Pashnak have a pretty good connection? 
Yeah, it's going to be a really tough call for Montgomery to make there, right? Because they have been so good together. Um, it's one of those ones you just wonder if it, like, if Bertuzzi can play with anyone, whereas, like, Zaka is best suited with, like, the check line, right? I, I think that's probably the bigger thing is to which player, if put in a new uh, scenario, could still operate at a high level. So um, I would not be surprised if you see Zaka and Bertuzzi flipped around a couple of times. You even saw it in this past game with uh, – Krejci and Zaka kind of switched spots a little bit as the game went on. So I imagine there's going to be a good amount of toggling, but I think we looked in the past, even as soon as the Bruins got Bertuzzi, we're like, all right, Bertuzzi, Hall, Coyle, they're good to go. Now it's, you look at just how good Bertuzzi's been with Popsternock and how good they seem to find each other. I mean, that that behind-the-back pass was absurd. And I think that's just a testament to – you can look at Bertuzzi and, you know, how he, you know, stirs stuff after the whistle, um, how he's a pain in the ass to play against, but – I think one thing that's really stood out is just his ability to not just be like a net front present. He's not like a guy that's uh, a big body down there creating havoc, but just how poised he is with limited time and space. I mean, to, to make that play and not to immediately, uh, Montgomery mentioned it, not to immediately just kind of do like a backhand stuff right into Lions pads to like have the wherewithal in that split second to feed that puck back out to Pasternak is that's a special play by a very talented player. And I think having him in that net front uh, creates a lot of options for the Bruins moving forward. Yeah, again, just fits well and good in space and just going to be hard to take off um, that second line with, with Postonok. But again, I get Zaka. You know, Zaka has had the connection with Krejci and Postonok, um all year. I'm also curious to see Hall, Coyle, and Bertuzzi just because I know I remember when the deadline happened, we all kind of said, oh, my God, imagine if that's the third line. Like, I would like to see that in action. I thought Taylor mm-hmm. Hall was actually pretty good last night. Um, yeah. Because, again, in zone, and we'll get to that in a second. I mean, it's, you know. They were not great with zone entries for a lot of the game. Paul was, you know, terrific at kind of doing that. Thought he should have shot the puck on that two-on-one with Frederick, but that's a whole other thing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Connor, everyone was wondering on Monday night, Monday, uh, what is up with Patrice Bergeron? And they said it was a game-time decision. Now, Bridget Pruel of WEI tweeted out, uh, that she was talking to Pavel Zaka after the game, and he said uh, that he knew he was going to be the number one center going in, like in the morning. Um, what is the feeling with this? Because Bergeron plays through everything. Now, if it's just an illness, it's just an illness. Um, but is this more than just an illness? Uh, I mean, listen, I think Bergeron, like pretty much every single guy in the room, is also dealing with a nagging injury. I don't think it's something that, is running the risk of you know derailing how much he's going to be able to play this postseason or anything like that. I think it has much more to do with the illness, which again, not to be crass, but shit happens <laughs> in terms of a stomach bug going through a, a locker room, right? So, um, listen, I think you look at uh, Patrice Bergeron's track record of fighting through many injuries before. Um, but that being said, I think when you look at where the Bruins are, how deep this team is. Uh, uh, and just how many ways this team can get through wins. If Bergeron's not, you know, feeling remotely close to game ready in a situation like that, and even Jim Montgomery mentioned that, 
this illness takes a lot out of guys, right? Like it takes a while to recover. Lauko had it a few weeks ago and dropped eight pounds. Eight Montgomery pounds. Said. Oh my so, God. So it, listen, like it, if this was a game seven or a critical game, I'm sure Bergeron's out there grinding his way through it, but it's not till again, like you don't want to say like it, this game didn't matter, but I think if it's the opening game of a first round series and you got a team as deep as you have, um, I think you had that luxury of letting a guy who's really fighting through an illness uh, have have a game off. I mean, the Bruins going into this series were four and zero this year without Bergeron, uh, held tall in that regard. And again, were they playing their best? No, but again, you had so many guys that stepped up uh, in, in his absence. Like you're concerned about the way the faceoffs are. I think Nosek was fantastic at the dot in in that game. You had Nosek and Coyle's line matched up a lot with uh, Barkov's line, which is not an easy matchup, and they held their own. Like I, it's just an indicative of just how this whole year has gone for the Bruins, where um, you have multiple guys step up when you have such a key player out of the lineup. And it's a testament to just like the way this roster has been built that you had that luxury of, all right, instead of sending Bergeron out there at 30%, right. Fighting through like nagging injuries are already uh, brutal to go through like a stomach bug in a playoff oh. game. Oh, holy. Yeah. Holy crap. So holy shit um, is right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So again, I, I, unfortunate that that happened and like the optics of everything, I'm sure of like a game one, excitement of a play of not having Bergeron out there it's tough but when you have a team as deep as this you have that ability to rest a guy who's not remotely close to 100 percent. also you mentioned it it's the first round you're heavily yeah. you're you're heavily favored and i don't want to dismiss any team because the panthers are here for a reason they have strengths of course but you know as you said if i'm jim montgomery i'm not forcing bergeron out there for that like this you take take, take your time a bit you know i mean like I don't know. I, I people were getting on me last night on the post game show for saying that this, you know, you can try things out in this series because I don't see a scenario in which the Panthers come close to winning it. And I know that's a dangerous game to play in the playoffs, but I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, the Bergeron thing's interesting. Um, we'll see what ends up happening with him. Um, lineup decision wise, do you foresee any changes going into game two? Because it feels like an interesting one. The Bruins struggled a little bit trying to break the puck out of their own zone. As you said, the Florida four check forced turnovers was you know hard to play against things like that. Grizzlick's pretty good at breaking the puck out um, and eluding pressure. Now, um, does he, you know, is he good with the physicality aspect of, of things? Not as good as the other one uh, as guys like Forbert and, and some others. Um, but I don't know. I think Grizzlick's worth a shot there. Yeah. It, it's, it's an interesting kind of dynamic and, you listen to Montgomery's comments after the game, something he was really happy with what Fulbert brought. And I think it probably comes down to uh, just shutting down one key avenue for the Panthers, which is that power play. And, you know, Fulbert does help in that regard. You could like counter that by saying that the power play or the penalty kill for the Bruins was fantastic when he was on the men because you had Orlov and Lindholm step in. But it also goes back to, all right, if you have Fulbert taking those minutes and he's still playing at a high level in that regard, you also then can free up a guy like Lindholm or Love from, you know, away from those taxing minutes and down the other end of the ice. So, um, but it, the Bruins have a tough call in that regard, right? Because as you said, like, Rose like so good on the, on breaking the puck out, how good he is with McAvoy and you have so many options there. There really aren't any weak links throughout that lineup. So I hope to imagine barring a, a, a rough go from the PK or, or a situation where they get really hemmed in, um, that they're probably going to go back to forward in game two. But again, it's something I think we've echoed all 
these last few months, as soon as they got Orlov, in terms of balancing these seven defensemen, uh, the Bruins are in a good spot because you're probably going to rely on all seven of those guys at various stages. And who knows who they play in the coming rounds? You know, if there's a team that's a little bit lighter, um, that isn't as reliant on their power play, more five on five, then you go to Grizzly more. Like the Montgomery has the the luxury of being able to kind of augment his decor to fit whatever matchup he has out there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another lineup thing. Uh, we mentioned this a little bit at the start of the show. Berger, if Bergeron does come back in for Game 2... Um, do you who comes out? Because I know I think it really comes down to Frederick or Felino, and I like Felino on that fourth line. I think he's a uh, he's effective. Uh, Frederick had some good chances though um, in Game One. What do you think? Yeah, that's also going to be a really tough one because I think both guys play really key roles in the lineup, right? Like, like again, it's such a good it's a good problem to have, but it's tough because you're having a very very good player slot out, right? Um, you know, I'd, I'd say Frederick had the better game in game one um, in terms of, you know, he had those two grade-A chances, Lyon robs him, but uh, was physical, you know, ratcheted up. And I think it's a testament to how much Frederick's game has grown that but things got kind of nasty there various times. I mean, like Ekblad had that hit on Posturank. There was a few chances where I think uh, Frederick could have, you know, really gone after a guy who put himself in the penalty box, what have you, but it's answering it with a heavy hit of your own, you know, getting involved after the whistle, those kind of things. Um, and, you know, Foligno's still cut from that same cloth, but uh, I have to imagine Montgomery's going to give Fred, uh, Foligno, rather, a little bit more leeway to, you know, get the rust off, because I think he's talked so much about how key he is to this lineup. But it is, it is a, a tough, it's a tough call, right? Because you've got both those guys playing at a high level, both guys play such key roles, and um, whoever rolls out, it's going to be, a tough hit, right? Because if Frederick is the odd man out, you have a guy who almost had 20 goals on your third line be, being the odd man out. So uh, it remains to be seen, but I have to imagine Montgomery wants to give Flino another game or two just to see if he can kind of shake more of that rust off. Because again, he hasn't played since end of February. Yeah, it's a tough call either way. Um, the ultimate question, and I hate doing this after game one. We, I, I hate to, I, I honestly don't like this because... We've seen the Bruins win many game ones in the past, and you know we all kind of go home. Oh, this year, like remember the Islanders series in 2021, we were all like, "Oh, Bruins!" You know, flew the Islanders away in game one. This series, you know, they have no chance. Bruins gonna be in the conference final, and we all know how that turned out, um, really poorly for the Bruins. Um, I don't think this is that case. Um, so Connor, do the Panthers have any chance in this series after yeah. Monday night? Yeah, I mean, I think. You look at game two, if they go to Bobrovsky, who, again, hasn't really been a model of consistency uh, this no. year, especially in Florida. 
but still, you look at his resume, you look at what he's done in the past, he's still a guy that very least gives you a different dynamic uh, in a game like that. So we're not be surprised if he gets a look. And I think you look at Florida's offense, um, it's too good that, you know, they're going to have some breaks go their way. I mean, 15 high-danger chances. Their team has kind of been plagued all year by generating high-danger looks but not really finishing. But, again, all it takes is uh, a puck dribbling past a guy or a, a rebound popped out to one player to kind of change that a little bit. Um, so I feel like they're due for at least one game where they are going to get some goals in on the Bruins. But I, I think you just look at how the Bruins match up against them and what, you know, Florida's biggest Achilles Achilles heel is, which is that defense that even though they can generate a lot, they just can't, I think, over a, a extended series, contain the Bruins o- o- over that stretch, especially if that Bruins power play continues to heat up. And you look at the way uh, Panthers kind of deploy their PK. It's a lot of pressure on guys up high, which if Bergeron's back, going to leave a lot of real estate for him in the bumper where the Bruins do a whole bunch of their damage. So, um, again, I'm still sticking with five games, but – I, I just don't see Florida has the means to just win every game 6-5, right? Like, they, they don't have the personnel to do that and hold off the Bruins on the other end of the ice. Yeah, I still think the Panthers steal a game. I think they win a game in Florida. Um, but I just don't. Four? <laughs> Four games? No, I don't yeah. see that happening. Uh, I guess, I mean, the only thing that could is if Bobrovsky came in and went uh, sicko mode, as us kids say. Yes. Like, that, yes. that to me would be your best their, their best chance. Um, if that happened and I still don't know if you're edging four games out of that, you know, I think maybe you steal a game or two, you push it to six, but taking four, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. I know. I know people are going to say, Oh, why are you saying the series is over? I don't know. It's eh, not a lot over there on that other side, but they'll make it interesting. There was some bad blood last night and playoff hockey is good. No matter what, as we saw, Um, on Monday night. Uh, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we're going to have you covered every step of the way this playoff run with game recaps, features, columns. Uh, had a story that came out uh, yesterday looking back at the 10-year anniversary of the Bruins first game back from the marathon bombing. Which, which was phenomenal, um, by the way. Yeah, it was great to kind of talk to a few people about, about reflecting on a game like that, but we'll have plenty of other projects very similar to that throughout this playoff run as we kind of document this team and, um, you know, just how many twists and turns there are over the course of a long playoff run. So we'll have you covered every step of the way over at boston.com and the globe. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And remember to subscribe to New England Hockey Journal. That is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruce Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. Thank you.